In this episode, we're going to talk about seven simple ways to make better decisions. Stay tuned. Welcome to another episode of The Daily Growth Podcast, your source of daily growth principles for lifelong success. And now, here is your host, Thomas R. Harris. Well, let's get to it. Seven simple ways to make better decisions. Number one, focus on what you don't want versus what you do first. For example, the classic, what do you want to eat? So you ask someone, hey, what do you want to eat? Oh, it doesn't matter. How about pizza? Nah, I don't want pizza. Let's go for Chinese. Nah, I don't really want Chinese. But I thought you said it didn't matter. You know what I'm talking about? It's often easier to focus on things we don't want versus things that we do want. So when you're trying to figure out what you want to eat or whatever, ask what they don't want first. Ask, what do you not want to eat today? Asking that first can whittle down the options so you can make a better decision faster. Second, what would you tell your best friend? Sometimes we get stuck in analysis paralysis. Should I do this? Should I not? Which way should I go? Should I date this person or not? Should I take this job or not? What should I do? One way to get yourself out of that is to ask, what would I tell someone else? What would I tell my best friend? Sometimes we'd be quick to give an answer. Yes, date that girl. Give it a try. Yes, take that job. We're often quick to give advice to other people and we know what we would say to them. But sometimes we have a hard time telling that to ourselves. So ask yourself, If someone else had this situation, if my best friend was in this situation, what would I tell them? That can give you a clue on what decision you think you should make. Third, if X wasn't an option, what would I choose? So if you're making a decision, if your top choice right now that you're hung on wasn't an option, what would you choose? Now this technique is useful because sometimes we narrow our focus and we don't see a bigger picture. We don't see other choices that are out there. If you only have like one or two choices you're choosing from, ask this question and open up your options so that you can make a better decision and see things more clearly. Fourth, what would have to happen or what would have to be true for this to be the right choice? Now, this example comes from Dan and Chip Heath and their book, Decisive. And in the book, they gave an example of a mining company that was considering closing a mine. Now, the company was arguing that they needed to, that that was the right choice. The union and the workers were saying, no, this is a bad choice. We shouldn't do that. So what one person said was say, okay, because they were going right or wrong. This is right. This is wrong. He said, what would have to be true for each of those to be the right choice? So they worked together to figure out what would be the parameters, what would be the criteria for them to need to close it or for them to be able to leave it open. What would have to be true for that to happen? So they set those parameters, they set that criteria, and they ended up, unfortunately, having to close it because it became unfeasible for them to keep it open. It met that criteria. But they all agreed on it at that point because they stopped seeing it as right or wrong. But what would have to happen to be true? What would have to be true? What would have to happen for this to be the right option? So sometimes if things are stuck in right or wrong for you, think about what would have to be true for this to be the right option. As a group, if you're having a right or wrong discussion or y'all can't agree, 
list out the criteria for what would have to be true for each one to be the right decision, and then look at it and see which one would be. Fifth, what would our successors do? There's a story of Andy Grove, and I don't remember the CEO of Intel at that time, but Intel used to be in the memory business. And they used to sell memory, and then they started selling processors. And the Japanese came along, and they started dominating the memory market. And Intel was losing it. They weren't doing well with it. But they had a hard time quitting memory just to focus on processors. Because it was part of who they did. It's part of who they were. And it was part of maybe their culture or tradition. You know, it's hard sometimes to quit things when we're in the middle of it. That's why it's sometimes good to look from the outside. So one day, Andy Grove asked, you know, what would our successors do? If people who weren't attached to our company and everything, if they came in unattached, what would they say? And the CEO automatically said they would get out of the memory business. So Andy Grove said, well, why don't we walk out the door and come back in and do the same thing? See, sometimes viewing it from an outside perspective, what an outside person would do, can help us see the right course of action and help us get out of that muddle of being in the middle of that decision, in the middle of the tradition or whatever that might be holding us back. Sixth, set a set criteria. You see, without a set criteria, it's easy to start giving heavier weight to different options based on the moment. And so we end up not making a bad decision because we're weighing one criteria higher than we should just because at that moment it seemed awesome. Like, for example, you're buying a house. Your big need may need to be good bedrooms for your kids and a big dining room or kitchen or whatever. But you go to one place and suddenly you see this really nice yard. So that becomes your favorite because of the nice yard. And it's easy to give that more weight. There may be another house that has not, a, not as nice of a yard, but has more of what you need. But because you don't have a set criteria that you're following, you give more weight to that yard and you, you end up getting something that's not your best option. So having a set criteria that you can judge all options by can help you make better decisions. And seventh, fall in love twice. Sometimes we'll fall in love with an option, you know, a certain house. Maybe we're hiring and there's a certain employee that we like. And so what happens is confirmation bias. We start focusing on the positive and all the things we like about the option we like, and we dismiss the negatives. And then we focus on the, what we don't like and the negatives of the other options because we like this one option. And so sometimes we can make bad decisions because of it. But if you fall in love twice, if you wait till you find two potential hires that you want to hire, that you both love, that way you can have a better comparison. Or if you wait till you find two houses that you love, it can help keep you from the confirmation bias. And you have more things to weigh against each other versus just the one because that's what you initially liked. There you go. Seven simple ways to make better decisions. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Daily Growth Podcast. For show notes, including links to everything discussed on this episode, visit thedailygrowthpodcast.com. Join Thomas for a new success growth principle on the next episode of The Daily Growth Podcast.